Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Welcome to Bluebells Forever podcast. Today I have Linda Croft. Welcome, Linda. Hello, thank you. <laughs> and I had to ask you, is Linda Croft your name that people know you by? And like you said on social media, you've not changed it. Yeah, no, Which, it's still, I'm, I've always, I'm always going to be a Crofty. I was always Crofty. I was, <laughs> <laughs> As they were saying, it's hard when there's, when you're trying to find people you work with, but if they're, if they're female and their names changed, there's people yeah. that I don't, you don't know where to start on Facebook. So I think it's been wonderful when people either have a hyphenated or some more of what their maiden name is when you're trying to find yeah. them as you knew them. Yeah, or yeah, have or have a, a a different Facebook account with your marital name that you know a, a normal is in a normal right. life, and then the the old showgirl ones on the on the um yeah the maiden name. <laughs> I've actually I have friends that are therapists that they have a, a private one with a they use a different last name, so their yeah. clients don't find them. And like I know some dancers that were in our shows that have a different account or different name, so they don't want their professor to college people to say oh, you were topless in Paris. So (laughs) there's certain things of like, some of us are like, yes, I did that. And some are like, no, this could jeopardize my job if I post pictures of me in those, in those shows, which is sad, but I I had the same. Yeah, exactly. It depends to who I I, I worked in um, a secondary school for about six years, um, about five years ago. And uh, I remember somebody I worked with said, uh, don't because I was Clark which is you know my marital name and then they said please don't don't keep your keep your maiden name on your Facebook account because if the kids here see any of your photos they'll be yes miss (laughs) a different name and these were like 11 to 15 year olds you know quite impressionable young men and and girls you you kind of yeah I kept it so I kept it as as Croft mainly for that as well then we can celebrate it together Normally I start with like what you were like as a kid and why you started dancing, but we, right before we recorded, we were saying how things that felt normal to us when we were living that life. And then when you go back home and you kind of take on a, you know, back, I would say normal life, I'm doing air quotes, but yeah. you were saying like, you, after, you know, you get to know people, maybe a couple of glasses of wine in and you share and can you, I just loved how you said that with the people's reaction, when you start, you know, the, you get a little more comfortable sharing what that life was like, how they react and yeah just just the names and and the escapades we got up to I think and and yeah just how normal it was for us back then to what that is now it's just yeah I mean just the odd yeah Prince Albie is a friend of mine you know yeah I've got his number in my phone you know what <laughs> yeah can you call him uh yeah but I don't want you know and they'd be like oh <laughs> <laughs> and then drop just throw a few of those in you know they're uh, they're quite good yeah you <laughs> people but yeah Do you have a, did you have any reaction like oh no you were like one of those kind of loose women because it's hard for a lot of people if they don't know what that was like to know like no we were actually really not no, no, what you assume a showgirl it was about dancing and, and, and I never really say I was a showgirl. I, I always say, yes, I was a dancer. I was a professional dancer in Paris. Okay. Some people can raise an eyebrow and go mm, professional dancer in Paris, but no, I, I, for me, it wasn't, 
I never thought of myself as a showgirl, even though we, you know, we were, you know, it's, it's what it was, but I'd say people say, describe what you used to do. Well, I used to dance. I used to, I, I did my, you know, I, I had made a career out of the passion of dance I had. So yeah, I know. And I think it's the way you put it to people, you know, and mm-hmm. explain what you used to do that that would you know maybe they might raise an eyebrow if you if I did say yeah I danced around in a g-string and and was topless or whatever but for me that was not even part of it you know it's not the identity yeah yeah I don't I don't think about that I just think you know I I danced we had some beautiful choreography with beautiful sets and beautiful women and and beautiful men with us so it was just yeah yeah Hmm. So, yeah, I don't think of it. I, yeah, I was a showgirler. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud. Well, it's, it's yeah. interesting because I've, I've probably said it a lot on here, like how we kind of had to um, redeem the name showgirl. But even mm-hmm. dancer, like I have a teacher at my studio within her, you know, she the family she married into. Oh, you're a dancer. Do you do jazzercise? And she would try. And so even that, like, well, if you're over 20 and you're a dancer, or is this, are you, it's a jazzercise or <laughs> just, it's really hard because people's idea of what a dancer is, either you're a professional ballerina I just, yeah. you know, I think for the most, most of people that don't see much theater, it's, oh, you're still no, doing I, that. Isn't that, that's something you do when you're little. Yeah, I guess they do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I, I say, I mean, cause I teach Pilates. That's what I do now. That's like a lot of <laughs> ex dancers. I've just followed yeah. that. I think Stephanie Haggett had a big hand in that one, but um, yeah, now, so I teach Pilates, but people say, oh, you know, do you fancy starting a dance class? Would you, you know, would you start teaching dance? You know, this is older ladies, or not older ladies, older ladies of, you know, our generation. They want to get back into dance because they do feel that, you know, they're, they're not able to continue or do anything like that at this age. Because, you know, like you're saying, you've got the young girls who are going, you know, well, we do this and, you know, we're, we're, we're this is our dance. This is, you know, whatever they do now, <laughs> hip hop, whatever they do. But when, you know, when you talk about tap or classical ballet and stuff, it's... um yeah, I just think they, they need to embrace that a little bit more as a younger generation, that we can do that and we can continue. We can even go on stage and perform doing that if we wish to, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. My, yeah. I have a dance studio that's adults, but people kind of think of adults as, you know, they're just, sometimes they come and take a few classes and leave. Like, we've got people that have with have been taking one of our ballet classes for probably 20-something years. They've had a few babies and they still come to ballet and they're still good because I think the assumption is, you know, like you're, you get worse, but they get there, but there's really wonderful that a lot of adults and there's people that come in and they get emotional because they haven't danced for 10, 15 years. Yeah. Because there's something I think in our head that says, oh, that's for your younger days or get serious. Yeah. And then they realize they never, it never left them. And I think it's so beautiful, like to encourage people that was part of your yeah. younger years. It's formative. They do that over here. They've got, um, I, th- I don't know if it's, uh, I think it was Darcy Bustle. I don't know if you've heard of Darcy Bustle, the ballerina. Um, she worked with the uh, the Royal Ballet. She was a huge ballerina, um, prima ballerina. And she um, she's done a lot of TV work and stuff, but she started a thing called Silver Swans, which is for older ladies uh, taking up ballet and stuff. And, and you can actually train if you've got, because I have my qualifications like most of us have, you know teaching dance um you could actually train to teach that to and it's a huge it's huge at the moment loads of people are talking about it and wanted to do it loads of ladies are saying yeah we should do that over here because there's none exactly you know where we live here in this area but all over england it's uh yeah it's huge and it's great silver swans yeah oh yeah 
And I do, yeah, oh. I, I, I keep thinking, yeah, I do, but it's always something else that happens and you don't get around to it. But I just, like I said, you know, when I'm teaching Pilates, I'm doing mat Pilates and some of the ladies are like, oh God, I wish we could do this and do it. It's like a dance routine or wish we could, you know, go into, can you not get some tap shoes on and teach us some tap? And yeah, it's lovely. And they do, they do have a, why can't we do it? Why can't we continue and enjoy it? We don't have to you know prove anything and that's the thing you don't have to prove anything now mm. it's just you isn't it that's so great that they even voice that that they're they're tapping into there's a desire there that that's yeah. probably coming out just being around you and being in pilates connecting with their body again yeah it probably is that and they, it just it makes them feel good just that movement you know and yeah it's it's for the mind as well as it is for the body that's why I always say, and yeah, it's great for the mind because we also spend about 20 minutes chatting because we're all about the same age talking about menopause and everything else that comes <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a disclaimer at the top of the show too, because you felt like a little pressure. You're supposed to remember dates and names and feeling menopausal. I'm like, oh my gosh, like everybody that gets on here. It's like, there are some people though that will correct me. Like you got that name wrong. I'm like, I'm surprised I remember what I do, what I yeah. do, because yeah. like we are saying, it's like, when you do a few shows, it gets a little scrambled and like yeah. getting the dates, like which show was first Coco Rico or this or that. And I look at it and then it falls out the back of my brain. I have to look at it again. <laughs> but I think what's the most important is the stories and the people that stand out, because if we're going to get yeah. a few things wrong, it's not the facts. It's what we want to know is like what it felt like, what it, we experienced, what yeah. was what relational, the things that, that really stay with us where yeah. You know, I don't remember what day it is half the time, and I, I, no, I no. post menopausal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right in the slap bang in the middle at the moment, and yeah, it's it's it's. I had a conversation this afternoon with um, an old dancing Lido friend. Um, I can't say old. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it doesn't make well. We're not. None of us are old. Um, we were chatting um, just about somebody who's coming over from Australia, and she's coming over to England, and we were like, "Yeah, did you work with her then?" Well, no, because you were at the Lido in '88, and I was in. I think she was in um, Madrid or somewhere. And we were trying to. Trying to say, uh, yeah, I said, oh, I work with her. She said, you can't have, because I work with her in Madrid. You can't have been two places at once. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe it was just that blur, that timeline of like from 88 to 90, there was a bit of a blur. I can't, I, yeah, I just can't remember exactly the dates. Yeah. And yeah, it's just fitting it in with who was there when. And, and it does eventually come together. <laughs> I used, out. Yeah, somebody will, will kind of corroborate your facts. I... Have to, I remember I graduated in 78 and then I know I did Hello Hollywood in 80 and Bermuda was 83. And then I have to go between there to figure out the other shows because I yeah. can't remember. So I have to kind of work backwards. My kids were born, <laughs> but I yeah. just remember my grandparents, I'd go visit them and they would fight for like 10, like for 10 minutes for each time you'd ask a date of something. Yeah. We would just roll our eyes and they would go on and on arguing. Like, does this really matter? Like, no, that was a year that the president was this. And no, I had a goiter that year. And that was like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at least now we're memories the were like at least we're like I was in Paris or Madrid I can't remember not like I had a goiter and this was the president yeah, so, yeah. sorry no, as yeah, I digress yeah, it, does, it kind of I think it does shows as well like for me it goes on because I did so many shows in at the Lido it, it goes on those as well you know yeah I did the last two years of panache so who else did the last two years well I did the, the whole five years of panache right okay so we worked together on this and yeah it was uh it, it, I think for me that's how I kind of draw my timeline on on the shows and then the tour and then yeah then I can pinpoint who was kind of in what and who did what show. <laughs> someone so will make a 
tree for us or like a timeline where we all can see where we overlapped it would be it would take yeah, a lot and of work that's it. And that's it. crossing <laughs> over to Reno as well because I remember the girls coming back from Reno there was Anne definitely Anne Garrett did you, did you work Anne Garrett I think, I think that yeah red-haired Anne I used to think she was fantastic so funny red-haired Anne and then there was <gasps> yes. um yeah around I can't remember all the names but I remember they came back into the Lido just as I started they'd been over and then they came back and they were given all the tales of you know what happened in Reno and everything they did and I thought it was fantastic I was like oh that's where I wanted to go well and that's, that's so interesting yeah. Yeah. Well, because then I'm in Reno hearing about Paris, like, oh, that's where I want to go. Because <laughs> it's like, it's so, like Reno was the least exotic place you could work as a bluebell, but it was wonderful. Like, it definitely had a very homey feel. Like a lot of people said that was where they felt the most grounded and kind of like yeah. that being a part of a town. Because mm-hmm. there, there was a definite feel because there wasn't much else to do. So I think the cast bonded. The kids were raised together with, you know, those were having babies and, there was just a lot more like you might be part of the PTA or whatever when you're when you're doing that. And a lot of people stayed for so long and then Paris yeah. just feels so exotic. But I'm curious where you grew up and how you started dancing, because I loved uh, when I asked because a lot of people in America didn't know who Miss Bluebell was. But you you do yeah, that I, early I on. Knew. I'm so curious why. Yeah, well, at the time I was only young. They had um, and it was it was really strange because it was what career do I take? I wanted to dance. That was it. From the age of seven, I wanted to dance. I wanted to do something on stage. And um, so my mom put me through dancing school. And at the same time, um, it was probably a couple of years later, but they had a, a series. I don't know if you heard about the Bluebell series about Miss Miss Bluebell. Yeah, I found yeah. somebody's forward there. Was yeah, it BBC, no, BBC thing? BBC did it. Yeah, I think it was. BBC. Yeah, it would have been BBC, uh, and that was on. And I was just fascinated. I was like, "Who is this lady?" And then my dance teacher obviously knew about her at my local dance school, and she said, "Yeah, she's yeah. You've got to be really tall to work there in, in Paris, and she has shows in America." And and I was like, "Wow." Uh, but you know I was just a young skinny little well it wasn't little a skinny <laughs> little kid um not thinking about you know taking it as a career at that point um but then when I was at school um I don't know if you do the same in the states but when you get to the age of 15 you're supposed to know what you want yep. to do for the rest of your life right. um but it happened so I did I knew I wanted to dance but I come from a very little village just outside of Manchester in, in England. Um, and it's literally is a tiny little village. And I used to go to dancing school in another little village across the way, about four miles away. And um, yeah, so I, when I was at school, it was like, well, you can, you can be a secretary, you could be a hairdresser, or you could actually work in the factories because Manchester still had the factories, you know, the cotton, not the cotton factories, but they had... You know, the um, it was still quite like a textile textiles. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The textile industry was still quite, you know, vibrant. And there was lots of jobs in in, in that kind of area. <laughs> and, and I remember saying no. Uh, so they said, well, what do you want to do, Linda? I said, I want to dance. And I remember my my um, careers teacher. She was called Mrs. Massey. She was about two foot. She was like and at 15. I was already nearly six foot. She was about to hear. And she looked up and said, no, you, you're dreaming, lovely. You need to go into something like, um, I think hairdressing or a secretary would be good for you. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to dance. And she was like, well, OK, good one. Good luck on that. Go <laughs> and sort yourself out. And um, yeah, so I uh, I was like, no, 
talked to my dancing teacher. She said, well, go to dancing college. You can leave school um, and go to a, a to do a two year course at a dancing college. Well, at that age, I think it was, uh, how old was I? Oh, before, I could say before that, a couple of years before that, I knew I was going to be quite tall. Uh, my dancing teacher put me forward to go and audition for the Royal Ballet um, in London. And uh, <laughs> I was so tall and so gangly. It was, just, they just said, uh, no, they measure your, they measure your, your, your bones and, and, you know, they have a kind yeah. of a rough idea how, how you're going to grow. And they knew I was just no chance was I going to get in there. Um, so that dream was shattered, but I knew I wanted to dance, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so my dancing teacher said, well, look at the bluebells, you know, you've what you've seen the series, you know, go and have a look at those and 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 see what you think and, and you know, read up about it. Obviously, I didn't go there, but I read up about it. And um, yeah, so I went to dancing college, did all my teacher training, my RAD, ISTD, National Ballet Tap and all that stuff. But I was like, I don't want to teach. That's not what I want to do. I want to, I want to be out there on stage. I want to do something. Um, and uh, yeah, so then when I was at dancing college, the uh, audition came up in the, uh, in the stage where most of the dancers saw it over here. It's, you know, the advertisement, Bluebell Girls uh, auditioning at the Pineapple Studios in London. So um, I think I was, I'd, I'd done a year and a half at dance college and I was just fed up of taking exams after exams and just, oh. And I remember my mum said, well, you know, at 16, 17, I was, you know, I think it's maybe wait a couple of years. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to audition. So, yeah, we got on a coach, went down to London uh, with my little ballet leotard, my ballet tights, my ballet shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Pierre Rombert was doing the auditions. So, um <clears throat> so my mum took me my sister came as well and uh we went in and did this uh audition there was probably about I don't know 20 girls in there did a lovely ballet number which was I was like yes I can do that that one yeah I'm all right on this one and then there was some um showgirl walking we had to walk across the room elegantly with our arms out and gave us a few little French twists to do and some port de bras I was like yeah yeah this is okay I can do it and um not super confident I said I don't think I was super confident but it was it was fun I was enjoying it and um and then it came to uh we'd like to see you topless <laughs> but I didn't read the fine print on the uh, <laughs> I was like, well, pardon? um yeah so he came over and, and went out my mum was outside trying to peer in through the window seeing what was going on and uh I remember Pierre said you know telling my mum exactly what we were going to do he had to pull the blind down while the girls had to obviously take off their leotard and and stand with their arms in a port de bra in a second position <laughs> and uh my mum said no Linda won't do that she's only 16 or so I was 17 I'm just 17 no she won't do that and I was like yep yep pull the blind I'll do it <laughs> was and your yeah, mom yeah. thinking you would be too shy like what was your what was even the yeah. attitude around topless or um even, we never even talked about that we, it was really? you know and even like going on holiday on the beach you know it was like no I'm not doing that I was and plus I was so um unsure about my body it was all changing at that point yeah. you know at 16 17 you know you, you everything's changing it's like I'm not showing people this you know my yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it wasn't even talked about, but it was just in that audition. All I could think about was I could possibly go into Paris. I might even get to Las Vegas or I might, you know, I'm going to do it. I didn't care. It was straight. It was really strange. But yeah, my my mum was just like, (laughs) no, she's not going to do it. Yep. Yep. I did it. Yeah. I I went, there was, when I went to Vegas, I didn't know also the fine print that I would, because Miss Bluebell pulled a few of us, but we did it discreetly back there but part of me is like I can't believe I did that because I was super religious and 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 also awkward with my body but part of it was like this desire to do the show but I think a lot of it was just how Miss Bluebell did it it wasn't Mm. so matter of fact that it felt cold but it was also just natural it was natural but it's weird because I got out of there I go I can't believe I just did that yeah Yeah. Um, but again I wanted that job and it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being desperate, but there was something that felt okay because of, I think the way it was presented. I don't know. Yeah. How was it going back out and telling your mom that you did it? Did, did it feel like, yeah, I did that. Or was like, oh gosh, I don't have to tell my mom. Well, she, well, she knew because he drew the, there was a little blind, you know, those little things <laughs> they pulled down on the door. It was a tiny blind she pulled down and, and she was, was it like trying to keep her eyes just underneath the blind to see what was going on. And then it's, no, it's shut. Um, so she knew I was doing it and she yeah. was, well okay she's she's doing <laughs> my little Linda's doing it and, and wow. taking it off a, a gentleman you know and a Frenchman in in a room that yeah um but yeah I, I, yeah she was fine and then I came out and she said how how was it and I was like it was fine and like you said like you said it was just so natural it didn't it wasn't I don't know I didn't feel ashamed you know and and the way Pierre made you feel anyway, he always made you feel comfortable and confident. You know, he, he knew what women, you know, he knew about women. He knew what women liked. He knew what, how they should look. And um, he had an eye for it. And he, he just, yeah, he, he made it so, um, I would say, not easy, but just, yeah, natural. Yeah. So, so, that, yeah. Same, that same scene could feel very different with a different person in the room. Yeah. And, you know, I've had that experience as well. I had it later on. And when I worked, I worked in Monte Carlo at the cabaret, which um, I worked for Barry Collins, uh, who was really good. He was a great choreographer and it was a great, it was a lovely place to work. But the, um, I say the establishment, the people who were running the show, because it was kind of a side thing for the casino, for the gamblers and stuff. Um it was, you know, and I knew it was top. It was a topless job. But then when he would sit there, this, this, I can't remember his name. He'd sit there with this big fat cigar, going, "Yeah, you take your top off." And <gasps> oh, you know, okay. And then that, that was completely different. It was completely different. It was like, you know, black and white from going to. Um, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, just so different. A different experience completely. So then, when I look back on how it started at the Lido, I wasn't even. Yeah, I was so comfortable with it, really comfortable. And then I also was offered the job as nude. And when they say nude, you're thinking, Ooh, naked, naked. I'm not, that, that's enough, you know. You're in, in that part, you're not saying that, but, but um, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a nice. It was, I'm proud of that. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Like I said, you I know. I didn't say I was a showgirl, but I was proud that I was a dancer. And that's what I was made to feel like. I was made to feel like something special, a dancer going into something really, really, you know, beautiful, a, a fantastic show. So there was yes. somebody that, I'm oh, sorry. There's no, somebody go, go. that talked about Pierre 
there's a video of him showing the, the showgirl walk that he can yeah. do it better than most showgirls when they're first learning. So I think yeah. even that of like how he just imagining someone to show you how to even stand in port with your porter bra, like while you're topless feels different than someone with a cigar, like show me like he, it, even yeah. how he could show what the regalness of a showgirl, even to show it before you yeah, undress. But yeah, and he brought that out of you as well, because like I said, I, I had no idea <clears throat> about how to to stand, you know. And I'll pl- there's one of your podcasts with Stuart Stuart McGee, yeah. who says about this. Uh, he was talking about the Lido, and and this girl came into the uh, into the rehearsal room. That was me, by the way. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah, Linda, with her shoulders slumped, my big fat perm. I had a huge perm. And I had this, and I'd literally, it was like I was coming out of this little village in England and walked into this, you know, and and so Pierre saw, you know, I was, I wasn't round, well, I was quite round shoulders only because I was so tall and I'd yeah. always been around dancing. All my, all my friends, they were no taller than five foot five. And at this point I'm six foot. So I was always kind of stood with a little stoop. My shoulders were slightly round and I didn't want to stand up tall and proud, but Pierre brought that out of you. You know, he would say, pull your shoulders back, you know, open your arms, lift your chin. And and the way he did it, you go, yeah, oh, my gosh, he looks fantastic when he does that. I can do that. You know, he he brought everything out, that that femininity out of you, where it, I was just, you know, with my little round, shoulder, round shoulders and didn't want to keep my, kept my head down as well and didn't want to show my face. I was, yeah, kind of. Uh, <clears throat> this but, yeah, is amazing. So, after yeah. hearing that story and knowing it's you yeah oh i know when you say with karina we was on with karina because karina was there when i started and, and they, were, they were all there and it was a fantastic time but for me this little girl coming out of this tiny little village who had no experience and you know i never had a serious boyfriend because i was always at dancing school you know i knew nothing i was so naive so so naive um but we we so after the audition we had you know he spoke to my mum and obviously at the time we didn't have internet we didn't have mobile phones we didn't have it was just on the phone with my mum um yes Linda we'd like to offer Linda the position of nude dancer and like we said nude we were all like Ooh, um <laughs> my mum was like oh maybe she's a little bit too young and I was like grabbing the phone off her no I'm fine I'm doing it <laughs> I'm going <laughs> <laughs> the suitcase is packed I'm upstairs I'm ready to get that bus out of here <laughs> yeah and I literally did we did so I think it was I think that was in the November around it was before Christmas because I remember going to Harrods after the audition and buying um I've still got it now a little bauble for the Christmas tree a ballerina dancing shoes and it just reminds me of my audition day and Aww. um in fact I think my son broke it this Christmas he broke the foot off it that says it all doesn't it it's just how Aww. I feel <laughs> there's replaceable um, parts now I have fake yeah. parts, so you put a foot what's interesting yeah. how in that interview I think it was a Stuart that said that Pierre could see things yeah. in people like which yeah. is really because sometimes if people don't have it all together no they they had all that potential but no one knew how to draw it out or like because no one's trained how to stand like a showgirl so yeah. I think that's a, a thing I've heard people say like no he could see it and he could see he, he could see them height. already and he could yeah. see them already in that finished state because there's people they probably take some risks on you know like well I hope they pull it together but they've got a lot of really talented people to choose from which makes this feel a little more special that yeah something something made us stand out for them to yeah. no, hardly anybody came in as a finished product for their audition they were a work a work in progress 
Yeah, and that and that's you know that's why Pierre was so good at his job. Like Miss Bluebell, they knew that they 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 did. And you know, like in the states, as in Paris, you know, the lineup of the girls was fantastic. So it shows what talent they had to spot these women and and men to come into to these shows and and make them you know goddesses or gods. Yeah, <laughs> on stage. And they were, and, and like you're saying, you know, I came out of a little village, uh, a little dancing school. I never thought I'd, I'd, you know, I look back on the photos and stuff and I think, oh my God, yeah, look at that. I, you know, I did. It's like, it was like a, a morphing of this uh, <laughs> caterpillar into this, you know, taking off the layers and coming out of this chrysalis and becoming a showgirl. And it was, wow. it was like that. And they brought that out of you and Pierre did. I mean, like I said, I was 17 when I went over to Paris. Still figuring out who you and, are. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was a girl. I mean, my son's 20. My eldest is 20 years old. He wouldn't stand a chance now. And I, I he probably would have if he had the right people around him. Right. But like I had the right people around me. And uh, yeah, so I went to, uh, I went over at 17. We got the, um, we got a coach down to London. And then uh, a coach from London to Dover took a hovercraft. <laughs> over the North Sea, over to France, got a coach from France. I, I went over with my mum. She took me to literally hold my hand to drop me off at the door, kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we arrived on the Champs Elysees and uh, pulled up outside uh, off the bus, jumped off the bus with my suitcase and my leotard in hand, literally, my rather large perm at the time, <laughs> and uh, very large perm, in fact. And we went in and I don't know if you remember you know you've got this the uh the cinema uh on one side and then you've got the Lido entrance that uh on the other my mom and myself walked up the cinema side with my suitcase going how do we get into the Lido I mean we were really <laughs> this is like a good movie scene it's so perfect oh it was and she we were like and then Pierre came out he must have heard some some kerfuffle going on outside to yeah a young lady and a mother can't get over the barrier to get into <laughs> into the Lido and he came out and uh he, he helped my mom and myself in put the suitcase in the reception and the and the bluebell rehearsals were already happening so that's when Stuart so Stuart would have been there when I w- literally walked in with my suitcase off the bus with my mom and Aww. uh yeah but the funny thing is, my mom, my mom writes short stories. In fact, she writes. She's she's a bit of a writer. Nothing huge or whatever. She but she likes to write, and she wrote a story that I only read, possibly uh, I don't know when my youngest, my eldest was twenty years ago. So it was a long time after the Lido, about her time dropping me off at the Lido and saying goodbye her to her baby girl because I was a young, I'm the youngest in our family, dropping me off. But coming into the Lido and seeing this whole of a world, walking into this whole of a world where there was beautiful men on stage, beautiful women here and Pierre coming over and 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 she had to literally say goodbye there and then. Because as soon as I walked into the to the um, to the theatre, it was like everything was forgotten behind my mom, even my mom who stood next to me. It was like, no, here's my new life, you know. So she had to say goodbye to me literally there and then oh. and pass me over to Pierre. Uh, and, and I'd read her story and I thought, that must have been so heartbreaking because she had to get on a bus and then another coach oh. and then a ferry back and then another bus all on her own, leaving her baby daughter in Paris with all these, you know, amazing, beautiful <laughs> creatures 
And uh, yeah. Is there access to read that? I think that would be really, because I think like a lot of us have said as mothers now, like, mm. oh my gosh, we thought at 16, 17, 18, that we were so mature. And then I picture yeah. my own daughter going to another country and like, yes. oh, my mother heart just like goes, I'd want the best for them, but boy, that letting go. And just that scene of watching being enveloped by this new life and her having yeah. to pull back and Oh man, that's a little bit heartbreaking as a mother, but it's so beautiful that she took you there and made sure you got there safely yeah. and knew you were in good hands. She didn't like hope. I hope you make it, Linda. Good, good luck. No, no, she, she came over. She she literally wanted to be there to make sure, and she had Pierre's uh, home phone number, and she would call Pierre every night. I was called Pierre used to call me baby. I was his baby, so he used to call me baby. All the dressers used to call me baby because at the time I was the youngest there, and. Um, she used to call me, call Pierre up at, at night just before the show. Is Linda okay? Yes, Jasmine, she's fine. She's fine. She's starting them. Yeah, she rehearsal start tomorrow and she's coming in to watch the show. And, and yeah, he would give her a step by step commentary on, on how I was doing and who I was living with. Because I mean, she didn't know. She didn't know who I was moving in with or right. where I was living because we didn't have mobile phones. We had a, yeah. had a little plastic phone card or some franks little franks to to call home and and say you know once maybe once a week or one got to probably once a month <laughs> once every six months because i was i was gone i was in paris i was having a great you time you were you weren't homesick or whatever you were like ready you were so ready no. for this wow yeah was, i was, was you, yeah was miss bluebell still around or was this after pierre was so was it he was running rehearsals and hiring but Miss Bluebell was kind of still overseeing but not gone yet right she was she'd stepped back she she came in she came in a couple of times to watch rehearsals um didn't really I was I was kind of in awe so I I, I never really went up I was like for me she was like a famous film star or something you know it was Miss Bluebell um, so I kind of I never really approached her or or, or said anything. I, used, I remember all the girls going, Miss Bluebell said, I'd be like, oh, just sit there staring at her. Um, and then, she, you know, she'd she'd come backstage started in the show. She'd come backstage and she'd walk through the quick change lodge. You know, we're all we're all getting ready and we're obviously standing there going, oh, Miss Bluebell and Renee Friday would be running along behind her. You know, it was yeah um and I know a lot of girls like as Jane was saying she lived in the same apartment building Jane Hogger said she lived in the yeah. same apartment I didn't know that I was, oh, that's not fair I was really jealous when she said that <laughs> yeah like Miss Bluebells is right up there which is my like I didn't know who she was I auditioned for her got hired by her and I think she came to the show once or twice in Reno when I was there but I didn't know until years later her significance like she was right there in front of me and I had no idea Oh, I just knew I knew Vegas from this show. Yeah, she it was her and Don Arden gave the audition and he was mean oh. and she was nice. And oh, well, that yeah. lady's so nice. And I had a very intimate moment with crying. I was going to turn down my contract because of my parents' reaction. And so I remember her being so sweet. And that's all I remember is like, she's important somehow. She comforted yeah. me when I was crying. Her, I want to go back to something you said too, like when the guidance counselor, or the career counselor is telling you pick a real job. I yeah. think I even think of her more of that moment of just thinking she was giving girls this opportunity for things that everybody else was saying, well, no, you can't do that. You have mm -hmm. to be, this is your choices. And how many women I'm older than you and Rowena, whose book you're reading, were giving an option other than the three that you were given as a female yeah. when you graduate. And so I just think of her, how she didn't talk me into taking the job. She's like, you need to do this for you. 
These are yeah. very classy women. They get married. You know, your family might not understand, but I'm just so grateful. But it was years later that I went, that was Miss Bluebell who actually oh, like wow. yeah. Yeah. offered me oh, that. And, and I was yeah. like, and so when I love when I hear you ladies who knew her, who were in awe seeing her backstage, yeah. I'm like, now if I was back there, I'd be going, oh, that's Miss Bluebell. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I just had a moment that I'm glad that you know I know it's for her. <laughs> Yeah, it was lovely. We used to have, and at the Lido, at the back, we used to call it the fish tank. It was where all the important people would sit. You know, you'd have the uh, Christian Clerico would be there. And if Don Arden was coming in or somebody was there and Miss Bluebell was sitting there and you'd be on stage going, I think I can see Miss Bluebell in the fish tank. But because it was glass, literally, but you couldn't quite see in. So you'd be standing on the edge of the stage going like, trying to stick your eye. <laughs> you know, probably getting some of the choreography because you're trying to see who's in the fish tank. Is it Miss Bluebell? And it was like, oh, you know, it was so great to know that she was there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What oh, show was no, it that you just, went into? So what I went into for Panache. Panache was your first show. Okay. Panache. Yeah, I did the last two years of Panache, which was, I mean, so I'd never seen a show like it, and I think Panache for me, watch it as a spectator watching that show, it was the best and and maybe because I was so young I'd never seen anything like you know with volcanoes and everything a hell set coming up an ice rink coming up it was just amazing and like I said at the time there was Karina and Michelle Brown who were Mm. and I was like oh my god they are stunning you know just absolutely beautiful um and like I said, so I'd watched the show and I remember, and the only thing that did you saying about being topless before, the only thing that I kind of went, oh, and took a bit of a, a gasp at was the ladies, you know, is the G-strings. Because I didn't even know what a G-string was. And I left, when I left England, it was like big pants and that was it. And they were wearing G-strings. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to show my bottom as well. You know, and <laughs> It was a very, very fleeting thought, you know, after that, once I was in it, I didn't even think about it. You didn't once you were on stage and you got the tights on, you know, the fishnets and the the G-string and the the costumes. You didn't think about it. But yeah, I remember my brother coming to watch and he was quite shocked and not the boobs, but the the bottoms. And not just the ladies, it was the men's bottoms. He kept, well, there's a lot of men's bottoms in that show. (laughs) <laughs> that was seeing hello hollywood hello knowing i was gonna be topless and watching it with my mom the boobs that kind yeah. of they're just they're just wearing too many beautiful things that you barely notice it yeah. was when the guys came out in our heat wave number which they had a lot of stuff from the shin down like this kind of a flared bottom some ropes yeah. and then their their butts but they don't have fishnets so it's just somehow it was more skin like that's just their bare butt skin there so it's kind of good to have a little a little bit of titillation that way to go okay it's not just us it's uh, shared yeah. amongst all of us on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I remember saying, I remember thinking, yeah, they had no tights on. Their bums never moved. <laughs> they yes. were so strong. They're fantastic bottoms. That was my, I remember my mom saying when she left me, she was like, there's a lot of handsome men here, Linda. She knew I was, you know, this little innocent, sweet little, never had a boyfriend kind of thing. There's a lot of handsome men, Linda. Yeah. They weren't after me, mom. <laughs> they weren't looking at me. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah, be surrounded no. by such so many beautiful men and say, yeah, it's not going to happen here. Yeah. I have a weird question because no. there were so many of us that didn't know, never wore G-strings. It wasn't like um, Victoria's Secret was a thing. So then you get there, no. and you're going to put this G-string on. Nobody shows up with um, under G's. 
I'm just curious. I've heard stories like not where do you put this? Like what's the, like, did they, did they give you those or sell you? I can't remember like how we figured out, like yeah, you we, can't wear your underwear. We buy them. You bought them. Okay, yeah, the we had to buy them. them. Yeah. I think they were, yeah, they were, they were uh, I don't know, a couple of dollars or something, but we had to buy them. They were like flesh colored G strings and they were literally <laughs> a triangle, yeah. tiny little triangle with a little bit of elastic on the side. The, the, yeah, there was nothing. I remember uh, at the Lido Paris, they um, one year they did some strings with the Lido emblem on it, like the <laughs> feather. And I, yeah, I think I actually still have mine somewhere. I don't think oh. I actually wore it because it was so pretty. But it's tiny. <laughs> you know, my big toe. What's <laughs> this, Mom? I think we had some of the wardrobe blades. I think some dancers started. They'd make them. And they would come yeah. to the dressing room with them on their arm, like from the elastic. Yeah. And that for Christmas, you could have Christmas G-strings and holiday ones. And sometimes they were so frilly, you couldn't wear it under your costume. You'd have like fluff and ruffle coming out, but under your clothes. But that was the thing. Like it was G-string day. And it was like, just been interesting from going, like, I have no idea what these are to now I can hardly wait for G-string day. Yeah, you've just reminded me. It was it was the dressers who used to make them, and obviously because they were using their own material and stuff, so you'd buy them. I don't think it cost anything, you know, but just to pay for the material and stuff. But yeah, they they make them for us. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I kept mine for many years after, and I didn't wear them after a while. There was too many, <laughs> too much butt cheekage covering it all. But it was I kept them for a while just out of sentiment, like oh. So what? How? What was that like going in on your first night? And because you're coming in to replace someone, so you're learning it, and then they do a put in, and then there you are. What was that first night like? Do you remember? No, do you know? And that's one of the things I don't remember. I think it just went in a blur. Mm. Um, I think that the main. One of the things I do remember was we did um, the winter, co- the, the ice costumes and I was the tall, one of the tall nudes and I had to, and I think Jane, Jane was talking about this, uh, where you've got, we had like sticks on our arms and we had to walk around these, the stage where the ice yeah. went down. It was a massive drop, like a 20 foot drop down. And we had, our arms were covered in pom-pom white pom-poms with sticks you had to stick your hands in these sleeves so you couldn't use your arms or your hands if you fell there was no chance you just have to land on a stick steward oh um and I just I remember that's what I remember I remember doing my French twist around the hole thinking oh my gosh don't look down don't look down and I still have a fear of heights believe I know I'm six foot tall I'm still (laughs) still have a fear of heights and I think it was that that did it to me I used to have nightmares long after I'd finished the Lido about doing the French twist around the hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's when I went back for the reunion, uh, got to go on the stage and, and see like where we would load up. There was no there was not much protection. And back then, I don't know that. I mean, now there's things they couldn't do. But we would just like, yeah, OK, and you load up on like, elevators. Yeah. There's yeah. so many ways yeah. we could have really been hurt or dead. And you know, just like this now, part of health it. and safety. Yeah. And now, you know, nowadays, health and safety, or you could sue somebody if you did, you know, in those days, you didn't even care. No, yeah, stick a stick on my arm so I can't <laughs> move my hands. And, and yeah, go walk around there and if you string with no top on, doing a French twist. Yeah. I'm dancing. But yeah. And that's, yeah. It was, yeah. But then I, I would say after, after probably a year or so in there, <laughs> You just go, well, it's fine. You know, you do it, you yeah. do it. And also winking at your 
friend who's going around the other side and laughing and stuff and, and maybe catching an eye of a waiter in the cell, but not thinking about the hole next to you. <laughs> yeah, there's things that like that first part when you first go in, there's so many things to think about of choreography, your staging, watching out that you don't get run over and then and not to fall in a hole. Then once you I think once you start to feel your patterns and where you're supposed to be, it's not quite so ominous that there's a yeah. giant hole in the stage. <laughs> Yeah, it, but it was, I just found it was never so much the choreography. Yeah, okay, the choreography was there because it was drummed into us, but it was the technical side of it. And and I remember the number Gigi and we had to push our swings off. <laughs> and uh, it, it always used to get stuck just over the little corner where the stage would come up, there'd be a little indent and it'd be like, trying to push this. And if you didn't get it on in time, then you would miss your choreography. You know, you'd be pushing this swing thing on and it'd tip and you'd try and get it on. And, and then you've got to catch up and just little hiccups like that. I found, you know, we, we weren't just dancers. We were stage no. hands. We were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you, yeah. in, was Panache the one that had the rocking, uh, rocking chair one? Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. That was. I finally, I found movie. that on YouTube because Natalie O'Hayan mm -hmm. talked about something being slippery on the stage and she flipped her chair. So she, how she said she was ass over tits is the way she said it made me laugh so hard. But like it's not. You must glamorous. have done the high kick. Well, it was yeah, the high kick. The high kick over back, yeah, and went and over Billy, on it. Oh no, I didn't do a high kick. <laughs> but I watched the video because Billy Goodson, who choreographed the Moulin Rouge, two of those shows, I interviewed him, and he was saying that that was his favorite number ever, and he said that he thinks that that show was Don Arden's best work. So I pulled it up, and I wanted to yeah. see like the the whole coordination with tapping the light. And the genius yeah. of that number, it's beautiful, but it also feels like, oh, here's another way something really could go wrong, but it's so worth it because it's yeah. so pretty. I would say, I don't think in the years I did, I don't think anything ever went wrong. I don't, no, I don't, I think we were pretty safe. I don't think anything, any mishaps happened with chairs and stuff. Um, it was, one thing did happen uh, was when we, because we had to flick our wigs. And I remember flicking my wig and getting caught on my sh on the on the little gemstone on my shoe. <laughs> as I pulled back. It kind of like wasn't very elegant. And I think the crown, the tiara kind of thing slid forwards. It was more like a, a sunshade and a beautiful, uh, but, but nothing too dangerous that, yeah. Because um, it was just, and when it was together, that number, you know, sometimes some nights it might not have been as, as neat as it could have been. You know, your leg wasn't as high as it should have been, like I said. But when it was together, it was a fabulous number. And it was so basic. You know, when you think about the choreography and stuff, it wasn't anything difficult. But just how it, it made women look just beautiful. It was so sexy and yet not not raunchy or anything. It was just right. gorgeous. I, I think that's that what number. Billy said. It was like the most like sensual and like the women had... There was a little bit more power in that in that piece than a lot of the other numbers would probably let the girls have. So you did panache, yeah. and then you went into Burmese. Was it Burmese? 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 Yeah, yeah, which was great because I got to start the show and go in um, the from the beginning, yeah, the creation of it, and yeah, with the choreographers. Don't ask me who um, the names, but yeah, and and. Yeah, it was just, that was brilliant. And I would have only been, at that time, I would have been about 21, 20, 21. So I was still young and still quite, yeah. Never, never been in a show where it's, you know, started from the beginning, building up the the concept and everything. It was just, yeah, it was brilliant. And obviously new dancers came in and I was an older one and, you know, been there and 
yeah. <laughs> seasons yeah <laughs> did you did you do the full run of the show um so uh bravissimo i i'm trying to think so i would have been no so when i was 21 um i was doing um, uh, lots of in between with with the show i was doing lots of modeling after the show as well so in the day i was doing um like the the, the fashion shows and stuff so i was doing a little bit of both and i got really tired and i think i was about yeah it was just before i was or just after i was 21 um i took time out and pierre was again so good i just i said i was so tired so so tired i was really thin um not healthily thin not because of not eating or anything i was just working so hard i was sleeping a couple of hours and i was going to work um so I took um I took a few months off and Pierre was like I said he was so good he said take the time your job's here you can come back um and you'll feel better and whatever and I did I took a few a few months out I traveled to New York I did a little bit of um traveling because I hadn't traveled so I went to the states for the very first time um loved it and mm. but yeah and then just and did some work outside of that it was a little bit different but mainly modeling um and and then yeah then I, I went back and I did I'm trying to think um yeah and then I did the run the run of the show but that's when I, I was nude and then I came back I think I came back as nude for a very short while and then I went into the bells um so I'm I kind of moved up a little bit yeah I was never, never really ambitious I've never been as in wanting you know I was happy with what I had I was happy being a nude happy doing my job I had a great social life uh, very good social life mm. so for me it wasn't like I had to be principal I had to be this um it was just and and it was just quite a natural move I think Pierre said you know I think you could be ready and uh and move me up to Bell um so it was good so I got to do a, a different part of that show which was nice that's so um, smart like for if you're burning out or you're not healthy to not make someone feel guilty, but take some time. Okay. And then you, you come back and you're going to be more of an asset to the show. Like yeah. they care. And that's what I've heard with this current cast. Do they care about your mental health, your physical health? Cause yeah. I think there's so many situations your leg is broken. Just get out there. Or they're yeah. mad if you leave, as opposed to like, we want you to be healthy. And then you can actually like not yeah. come back or come back. But if you come, to feel like you could be welcomed back, I think it feels rare, at least to some of the production companies I was in. If you yeah. choose not to take the next job, they are mad at you or, or you feel guilty no. for leaving a producer. I'm like, that's that's not healthy. No, it's not. And and it, I, yeah, it's like over there, it's the same in Paris. I don't think it was ever, you know, you weren't forced or it was. Yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I had a really good rapport with Pierre. I mean, we were really, really close. It was it was great. Um, and yeah, I kind of looked at him as as my father, really. Um because he did he did take care of me um and he knew he knew me inside out he knew me from the age of 17 as a baby and just maturing into a woman so he knew that my body was falling to pieces and I was just I wasn't in a good place I was too tired way too tired and I I was you know as well as doing the show I was out partying then I was out um yeah doing the doing these you know the trade shows the big shows at the Versailles and stuff and it was hard and and you can't Mm. have somebody on stage who's not it would have it would have shown he would have seen that you know that yeah. I wasn't going to what I could have yeah so taking that time out I I because I, I remember taking dance classes with Laurence Fanon you know Laurence she's yeah. soul and I used to go there come back going oh my goodness that's what dancing is um 
And I remember doing her classes because you told me, you said, keep up with the classes, go to see Laurence, go and do this. And, you know, but, but take time for you. And it, and it paid off because, yeah, I, I, like I said, I never asked. I, d- I never said I went, never went up to his office and said, I want to do this. I want to be a, so I want to be a, a bell. It just happened. And I was grateful for that. It was, you know, it was really good. I want to take time about the tour thing because you're the only person I've actually interviewed that had that experience. So, mm-hmm. cause I think I knew, I didn't know how detailed and how much. So can you talk about that? Cause also like, you didn't go on as a dancer at, at all, right? You went on, or did you dance no. and you were no, dancing I, and management? No, no. I just oh. went on um, with, it was Eric Clerico. So Christian Clerico's brother, Eric Clerico. He was quite close. He knew a friend of mine. And um, one day we all went out, we were chatting and stuff. And I said, yeah, because I was, I was always worried. Like I said, I was always worried what I was going to do when I got old. 28 what am I going to do is it you know after 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 my career on stage and and um I remember chatting and he said you know well we're going to start a tour you know would you be interested in and being the tour manager and I was like yeah sure I could do that um not really thinking what exactly that role entails and and then he said yeah you wouldn't be on stage you'd be auditioning dancers um you you, and he I think he kind of wanted me at the time because just before I left, I was understudy to Kate uh, the Minutes. So oh. I had a really good position. And I thought, well, I can't go any further than this. You know, Kate's there. I'm there when she's not there. And that's probably as far as I'm going to go. And he kind of, he said, he, you know, he wanted me as kind of a face of the tour. So I would do, I, I did a lot of the press, um, the TV work and stuff, because I, I worked doing the modeling side of it as well. I, I had worked on the yeah. you know the cameras so he said you know maybe be the face of the uh, the tour as well as auditioning the dancers and hiring them because you know what to look for <laughs> um and uh yeah so I went into it quite blindly really not knowing exactly <laughs> what to do at 28 when all you'd done is you know you'd been a dancer on stage and a little bit of modeling and then I had to deal with a lot, a lot, a lot um, to get the tour running, to get people uh, working together. And yeah, there was, there was, it was hard. And again, we created the show from start, uh, from, from, from the beginning. We had new costumes, um, new music, new concept, different choreographers who never really knew about the Lido. Um, like we say, we had one of the choreographers who used to choreograph for Madonna, you know, so his approach to, you know setting a, a beautiful six foot girl on stage is a bit different from you know these the, the dancers that they take on the Madonna tour who were like five foot one and yeah <laughs> it was yeah. so it, yeah there was that was it was challenging but it was um that was interesting the, the, the concept and the making of the show was 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 good and it was interesting but I found um it was hard work and being kind of the mom like Pierre was my dad you know the mom to all these dancers who were pretty much all the same age as me maybe a few years younger it was hard and I think they expected a lot more of me and maybe I expected a bit more of them and it was it was just yeah quite there was a few confrontations with um you know some of the dancers that at the time I had no experience in handling and and stuff but uh yeah it it was it was hard work (laughs) Because with tour, thing, a lot of things can and do go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's all on yeah. you, right? Because like sometimes yeah. transportation, there's just 
there's a lot more risk and challenge with touring and people being grouchy from traveling. It's different than you get to sleep yeah. in your apartment and come to work. An expectation so, when they get there, then it's your fault uh, because that hotel isn't how it should be, even though you've got nothing to do with the booking of the hotels. Um, and yeah, I mean, the hardest one, we did Beirut. We were the first um, <clears throat> cabaret musical kind of thing going into Beirut, into the casino of Beirut since the war. And uh, we were told that it wouldn't be a topless show. This is just one, one example. We were told it wasn't going to be a topless show because it was a Muslim and Christian country and they wanted it covered. Great. I had hired a few girls who had never done topless work and they were quite happy to go over there. And then we get there and then suddenly the promoter, um, I'm not naming any names, um, he said, came to me and said, you need to tell the girls that it's going to be topless. They've decided they want a topless show. And I was like, what? You know, and then so oh, man, these girls who had never done a topless show, you know, they they'd worked. I don't know if they'd worked in England or wherever. The, and they had to take, you know, go into this. Um, mm. I had to break the news and I had to talk them into it, kind of talk them, please. You know, I'm going to and I needed them to do it. We were there. We were set up. We were ready to go. And we had this. It was really hard. And again, I got the brunt for it. You know, it was like it was yeah. my fault. And, and ah, it was it was really yeah I'd never really dragged before then and then I think that's when I started drinking <laughs> go home and just have a, a bottle of tequila just to oh my gosh it, no it, it was yeah it was really hard and it was all on you you didn't have anybody to share no the, no I had you have no one except for back home to check in with it's really all on you yeah, it was. Mm. And at the time, I remember Pierre saying, when I said I'm going to leave, I wanted to leave to do the tour because I thought, you know, maybe this is where I can go. He said to me, be very careful, Linda. It might not be what you think it is. And he wasn't too happy about me leaving. We kind of had a little fallout, not big, but he he wasn't happy about me going. And, I, you know, I wish I said, you know, three years later, I, I said to I remember saying to him, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, PA. I really wish you kept me here a little bit longer. Uh, it was, yeah, it was really hard, really challenging. You did um, three years. Because you yeah. said something before we recorded, there is something when you know, you think your career is supposed to be done maybe by 30 or whatever this number yeah. that's out there. So you you probably could have just stayed dancing, but there's part of this thing in your brain, like, what, what am I supposed to do next? Yeah. If, if I'm not dancing, what do I do? Yeah, Which is really have, a lot of people are processing and even grieving why they stopped dancing of different things that they were told or under yeah. thought was communicated. And then, yeah, so that's a, that's a hard transition and you're traveling and not doing your time on stage. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just feeling it. that in a different way. Like, wow, this is what I have to do next because can I yeah. just dance on that stage until I can't anymore? Yeah. And then that's it. And you're sat there because I was sat in the audience, obviously watching the show every night, bringing back notes and stuff about the show. And I would just be sitting there going, you know, why can't I be on stage? That's what, you know, that's where I, my heart was yeah. on stage. I, 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 yeah, I truly felt I shouldn't have. No, looking back now, I, yeah, like you said, you just think, why, why did I think 28 was the cutoff, uh, you know? I would have been fine. I mean, I did. I had my my child, my eldest son. I was thirty one when I had him. So yeah, maybe I should have just you know done a few more years, and then even after him, you know, I could. I'm lots of friends who went back after having kids. You know, yeah. Just think, oh. yeah, it was too yeah. short, too short, and that was me being just so worried about the next step. You know, what do you do? Yeah. 
Well, I don't know how much we knew what people did. People left and I know if I knew whatever they did. So it's when you're done, like, now do I do? Well, I'm going to teach dance because I'm a dancer. (laughs) Well, yeah, now I feel it doesn't feel quite so scary as like this whole, like moving back home was hard after living this life of all this experience and to go back to a smaller town and go, what do I do here? It's just, I I have dreams about that of the grieving part of like, I'm home and I can never get out of my mom's house because I don't have a life or something, which I I had a life. I I found things after, but it was very, it's a hard, hard transition that I wish, which I think that people talk about it more than we ever had heard of. We just know they vanished. What, where do they go? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And to say it, I I mean, I often say I've come full full circle. I actually now bought a house opposite my mum so I'm still living on the same road which you know I go and people say from around the village they say oh you know oh you've been here all your life I'm like no I haven't honestly I didn't know I got away I got out pull me back and I'm still here but I know and I do I I have those and the thing is my friends know me and and I'm like I said I've got friends like you all over the world and I know they're always there and whenever I just need to get out I go and see them because I just yeah I I have to I have to still have some kind of closeness or touch of that life that I used to have even though it's it seems like a distant memory when it's there it just makes me feel a little bit better that I did it you were at the reunion and I've talked to people and whenever I they mention the reunion there's something that their body and their face changes of what that reunion did was more than just seeing old friends what was that experience for you to especially I never danced at the Lido stage. I never had been. So for me, it was very, I felt connected because it was part of Bluebell history, but you actually had danced on that stage. Yeah. I felt like I was going home. It it really felt like going home and I didn't just the smell and and seeing the stage hands and the people backstage, the dresses. And I just, it was, yeah. Because we did at a reunion, um, when was it? I was pregnant with my youngest. So that was in 2010. We did, was it the? Uh, this is the first one I went to was yeah, the there one was that we just had in 18. Yeah, it was mainly the the, the, the people from Paris, the, the dancers from Paris. So a lot of the years I was there. And it, it wasn't that long ago that I'd left. But then coming back to this one, again, it didn't really seem that long ago. Once you're in there. It just felt like being home and being with all these people who were just so like-minded. You know, you've all got the similar memories and the similar stories and the and the same way of you know thinking and 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 yeah, it, it was just uh, it was lovely. It was a lovely feeling, but it just for me it was a whirlwind because yeah. it was it seemed so quick and I just wanted to get in touch with the people I hadn't seen. You know, who I work with. But then, like you're saying, when there was all these ladies from Reno and all and these other shows that I would have loved to just sat down and listened to their stories, you know, and and thought, yeah, I I just I felt like I was missed. I missed that part. I was just so wrapped up in the people who were near me at the time. Yeah, we need to have it again and have like two weeks. Yeah. All night, we need all to staying at the same place, like a, a retreat, a vacation with pools, and we can just like just sit around Breakfast and talk because dinner, lunch. Because oh, there's yeah. there's so many stories. That's why I did the podcast because there were so many stories, and I only touched on like the tiniest fraction of fraction. it. No, it's of- brilliant that you're doing this. It really is. And like I said, listen, when I've listened to them, I'm going, oh my gosh, and, and trying to match the timelines to when these people were here, and I'm like, oh yeah, I work with them and and listen to their stories and. Yeah, it's lovely. It is great because you do, 
you get so wrapped up in your life, your everyday life. You know, I'm a mum of two. I've got, you know, my own business, my husband's business. And, we, you know, it's it, you kind of just get wrapped up in it. And just to, a snippet here and there, that hour of listening to it just takes you back in a second. And you think, yeah, you know, I live that. <laughs> and I came out so the other side. <laughs> you came out the other side. Um, we're going to wrap up and I never know what question I'm going to ask, <laughs> but what you just said, so when you tap into that part of you, what is it you feel that that's a part of you that's still there? Like that 16, 17 year old, or like all that whole career you had, that's still you, but it's just somehow yeah. some chapters ago. Yeah. I don't know. It was magical. It was kind of, it was dreamlike and it was a dreamlike because I, I, when I look back, I can't see any bad. I mean, there were obviously things I, I, you know, there was things that happened along the way that weren't great, but I look back and I see it's like when you look back as a child and you only see the sunny days. And that's how I feel when I look back at the Lido, it was, it was so sunny. It was just a happy time with me and meeting the people who are still in my life now who were friends, but they were closer than friends. They were family. They were my family. And, you know, it was just magical. Absolutely mm. magical. Yeah. That, that's the word. Magical is probably the most used adjective, I think, when people talk about that time is magical. Yeah. Because how many people, like if you had listened and been a hairdresser, you could have made money and been fine. But when you actually get to do what you love, that is like your, not just your passion, but it's a, who, a big part of who you really are. And yeah. so to squelch that, to like, you know, have a living, but to yeah. actually live that and have it celebrated is, it's kind of rare. It is. It is. It's also a little bit, a little bit bad as uh, has, has a bad side of it because nothing ever, I find nothing ever lives up to those years I had in Paris and I'm constantly, and, and people who know me, I'm constantly looking for something a little bit better, a little bit better because yeah. that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they have an old ladies uh Lido show that we all get to go back and maybe people will pay to see it, maybe not, but we all get to go back there. And, we don't, we don't, don't need anybody in the audience because I didn't right. really know them anyway. It was just whoever was on stage at the time and backstage. Yeah, the audience yeah. I don't even remember. I remember falling actually on a table once when I missed my jump with Steve <laughs> and I got a, a bottle of champagne and a few glasses. And I said, sorry. And that's probably the only time I ever saw the audience went, sorry, I'm sorry, putting their glasses back on the table <laughs> as I got back on stage. I never, I've got I never, fun to have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway, and so to good. go back just to just to mingle like on the reunion just to be on stage and chatting and going backstage and talking about you know yeah maybe we could just do that like you're saying just for a couple of weeks just to do that every night yeah <laughs> just it takes just to like let it soak in because I took the class that they offered there's only 20 spots and I jumped at it and I had a new hip replacement so I wasn't sure why it's like it was so like, I felt like I was 20 years old again to be on the stage and walk down the stairs and be in the wings. Like it was getting to feel it, not just watching the show would have been wonderful, but it's the other side view that we know. Yeah. And so that was yeah. good to watch the show and see the magic, but also to be on the stage, looking out and seeing the dancers around you. That's where it felt more embodied to me. Like yeah. it's not just me experiencing this it's all these ladies who were basically in tears by the end that we got to do okay. this. So there, there was something of that, that the reunion, the way she made it, where we got to experience and feel it and, and our bodies remember what that was like, instead of just being like, damn it, I don't yeah. get to do that anymore. 
You see, I'd love that. And the adrenaline, you know, just before you're about to go on to do a new number that you've, you know, you've just rehearsed and that adrenaline, that buzz, you know, there's nothing like it. I remember when I took uh, was um, understudying Kate and I never forget walking down the stairs to Saint Magique, the prologue and coming down the stairs. And I remember taking it in. It was one time I actually took it in and went, oh, my God. And the, and the adrenaline, the fear. But I loved it. It was just it was what you know, what is what made that performance amazing because it, you were just, you know, yeah, scared. But yeah, I just I love to feel that again. I would love to feel it again. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a part that is painful and wonderful because a lot of people have said I didn't feel it and I wish I'd filled it, felt it. But some people have one thing they say at this one time I looked around and I really took it in because you could two shows a night and go home and not remember doing the show. And so yeah. like you, you could not feel it. So I think the choice that a lot of people made or just were caught in it to go remember this, yeah. like the view, the feeling, the, every part of it, because. You got yeah. to feel it once, which makes it is makes it sad. You don't get to feel it again. But like, yeah, but I got to feel that. I got yeah. to experience that. I mean, that was. But it took me a long time to actually get to that moment to say, feel this and and, and embrace it, because like you say, in the years before, it's so a ten years on. You know, though in those ten years, the second show, you just be going, well, what's going to make me laugh in this show, and and, <laughs> you know, and stuff, and then what am I going to do to try and keep a smile on my face in this number? There was moments like that, but like I said, I don't remember them as much. They they don't stand out. It was the moments that, yeah. And, and that moment leading up to that last moment, it was one of the last shows I did um, under studying Kate, walking down the stairs going, oh, I oh, love man. it. Yeah. Oh. I've been bringing that into with COVID too, of not being able to do this so many things. Like just when I'm out on a walk, instead of thinking what I'm going to do next, like experience this, soak it in. Like mm-hmm. I never noticed that tree or like, I'm paying more attention. I think it's like, I don't want to look back at this time and say, I wish I would have been more present. No, now. I said, I said that the other morning I had my two kids, one's going off to school. The other one, I'm talking about being a hairdresser. My eldest is an actually, he's a barber. Oh, awesome. He's a trained barber, but he's really good. Um, but they were both at the door. One's going off to school, one's going off to work. And I just looked at them and I went, you know, again, one of those moments I took it in and went, I'm really blessed. I got two healthy boys. I'm really happy. You know, it, it's all good. Yeah. And they don't, oh. and, and it is since COVID, you do have to take those, you know, and, and think, take them in a little teacup and keep them, you know? Oh. Yeah. That's the best way to finish. We'll take it in a teacup. Yeah. Because we can just say so, or everything was better than, and not be able to be present because it was better yeah. in a different way. But I know having my kids when they, when they're over and I get to yeah. soak that in, I'm like, this is also magical. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just a different, different form. So Linda, thank you that I thank love you. that. Cause I, I told you, I didn't know anything much, except for like, we had some common friends because of Facebook. Yeah. And so I always launch it into it with ready to be surprised. I'm like, yeah, yeah. so that was fabulous. So thank you for the heart that you put into that too. And you're going to post some pictures and we'll share. And then we get to relive how gorgeous we were back there. Uh, yeah, there might be a few incriminating photos. I try and I chop some people off if they don't want. No, I'm joking. Yeah, sometimes we no. just post like, "Oh, there's boobs in there." I can't really pro. I can't no, really yeah, show no. those, but no, no, I've got I've got a lot of photos. I have, yeah, I'm still on my wall. I've got photos on my wall in my bedroom just to show my husband I did do that. I was a Lido dancer. Yes, that's what you take into that's the bedroom. I, sure. I wake up every morning and go, "I want to look like that again." I bought Lido posters, like programs. I've got a big Josephine Baker. So I redid my bedroom after the podcast. You have that too? 
Yeah, I just wanted my bedroom to have that feeling of that feminine and strength. And because if I put it in my living room, it feels just, I don't have that much space, but my bedroom is where I go in to go. This is my beauty space. I have them Mm. down the stairs. I got my Josephine Baker pictures and my Lido um, posters still framed down my stairs. So every time I go down in the morning, my fluffy slippers, I do a step touch, step touch, and pretend I'm going down the escalier at the Lido. (laughs) Oh my, okay. That's even better than the teacup. That's how we end it. And your fluffy (laughs) (laughs) slippers, step touch. Linda, thank you so much. This has just been a wonderful, wonderful um, joy for me to get to connect with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you.